We're going to be in a number of different places in the Word of God today. As we, we turn around there, there's a story I heard. You might be able to relate to some of this. There was a wife who was making some fried eggs for her husband for breakfast. And as she was in there frying up the eggs, all of a sudden, the husband comes bursting through the door. And he says to the wife, he says to her, be careful, be careful. Put some butter in the pan. My goodness, he said, my goodness. You're cooking too many, too many at the same time. They're touching. They are touching each other. You got to turn them. You got to turn them now. You got to turn these things. Turn the eggs over. He says, butter. We need more butter. Where are we going to get some more butter? We need some more butter. We got to put butter in there. They're going to stick. They're going to stick. Salt. You never cook with salt. You never listen to me about putting more salt in. I always tell you, put more salt in. You never listen. Put some more salt on the eggs. Finally, the wife turns to him and says, what in the world has gone into you today? He says, oh, I just thought you might like to see what it's like when I'm driving. (laughs) Well, (laughs) how many of you would sometimes like to say some of the things that you feel? Last week, we looked at kindness, and we looked at how we're supposed to have a disposition of kindness. You see, a disposition of kindness will keep you from speaking some of the things that you feel, tempering some of those things, because just because you feel it doesn't mean that it should be said. We need to be careful and cautious about these things. But as we looked at the scripture, let's take a look at this, this scripture we looked at last time. In um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Last week we looked at the word kindness, and today we're going to look at the word goodness. Because these are things that you can add to your life. You can add these to your life. When you add them to your life, they come along with things that will help you. We saw first off in joy, when joy comes into your life, strength comes in. People a lot of times waste time praying, dear God, give me more joy. That's not a prayer that's in the Word of God. What you need to do is the things we looked at in the Word of God that bring joy into your life. We looked at peace and the things that peace was supposed to do in your life. Peace is supposed to guard and to keep you. Peace is supposed to umpire your life to help you decide between yes and no, right and wrong. That's what peace is supposed to do. We looked at patience. And how patience is supposed to help you. That patience is something that is to be added to your life. And that the more patience you have, the more faith you have. Too often we just focus on the faith. But the patience is important too. So last time we looked at, at goodness or kindness. And kindness, it comes from a word to mean show kindness or to be friendly. To show kindness or to be friendly. Sometimes in the body of Christ, folks, that's just lacking. We need to show more kindness to each other and be more friendly with each other. The Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When kindness is brought into our life, it brings the riches of God. Which would mean, if we chase kindness out of our life, where does the riches of God go? It goes with it. We're always asking God to do things for us, to add things, and we have kicked kindness out of our life. I'm kind until I don't feel right about it. I'm kind until somebody does something that crosses me. I'm kind until something happens that I don't like. And as soon as that goes on... I quit being kind. And then out of my mouth come harsh words. Come words that I shouldn't be saying. We, don't, we, we hurt ourselves when we do this. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Don't despise the riches of his goodness. There's riches there. 
Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Kindness is something that you put on, just like you put on a coat if you came in here today. How many came in here without a coat today? <laughs> Nobody? Wow. I thought some, somebody would be out there, did Well, when you put that coat on, it's just like kindness. You've got to go, you've got to take it, you've got to put it on. Because there's a, there's a lot of other things that the world wants you to put on instead. But keep kindness on. You've got to keep focused on that. Now, when it takes a look at this word here, it says kindness and goodness. There's, a, there's two different Greek words that are used. Sometimes they are translated the, uh, opposite. Sometimes kindness is translated goodness. But there's two different meanings that are here. Now, this particular word comes from a word that means goodness, virtue, or benefits. It may imply generosity. It may imply generosity. Generosity. It comes from the Greek word to mean good, but then more is added to it to make it the word goodness. But this word good is not just a normal word for good. It is good. You are to go out there and you are to find the things that are beneficial. We've talked about this word before. We've given you this example. Uh, most of the time, when um, you're going out to the store and, and shopping, moms are the ones that do this. Generally, because dads just grab things. But moms generally go up to the, and they, they begin to examine, you know, what is this made out of? Is this made out of good things? Uh, sometimes we, can, we just go into the store and we say, oh, that looks good. That doesn't mean that it is good, but it looks good. And so we just begin to reach for these things and begin to take these things and put them into the cart. But not all things that are in the supermarket are good in that they are beneficial. How many of y'all know that? There are some things that you need to stay away from sometimes. And some, well, no, that's too much of that, too much of the fatty stuff, too much of the sugary stuff, too much of whatever it might be. And so you begin to look. And if you go shopping with your kids, you know, your kids have an eye for things. It just seems like they can pick up everything that is bad. And they can just get a knife. Oh, let's get one of those. Oh, I want that one. And we grab these particular things and mom's sitting there and saying, no, no, no. Or we look at the label. We read the label. No, no, this has too much sodium. This is too much sugar. This is too much this way. And so we're judging. This is what this word means. You look at something and judge whether it is good or whether it is bad. Now, some decisions are easy. You know, if you have a box of Twinkies and a bag of oranges, is it hard to figure out which one is good and that it is beneficial for you? Now, we, we may look at that and say, these are good tasting. Some people like Twinkies. If you put one in front of me, it'll still be there in a week. I'm just not a fan. Uh, just not, to, not to, uh, drawn to those. Those, not that there isn't anything bad out there that it does not draw me in. There certainly are. But that's just not one of them. Glory to God for that. You know, if, I, if I'm going to get one of those snack cakes, Tasty Cake, that's, they, they can pull me in. Uh, I, I like that. They're probably better for you than Twinkies, but still, you know, too many Tasty Cakes, not good. You, uh, you have to kind of judge these things and to decide what is good. That's what this word is talking about here. But when it's combined together here, it's talking about uh, virtue. It's talking about going out there and doing something good for someone. And a lot of times it talks about doing something in the area of money or the area of, of uh, something that will benefit the other person. In Romans chapter 15, verse 14, here's another place where this word is used. Now, I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Now, the, great, the, the word that this is made from, agathos, is all through the Bible. All through it. You'll find it all through the New Testament. But this particular one, when it's used in this particular form, is only used about four times. But it has the same meaning as agathos. And he says here, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you, are, that you also are full of of goodness. If he is saying that they are full of goodness, is it possible that you are not full? 
filled with all knowledge and also to admonish one another. He says, I am confident concerning you that you are full of all goodness. That means it is possible that we could not be full of all goodness. We could be filled with other things. But he was confident they were filled with these, these good things. Let me look at another one. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness is a fruit of light. Talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of love. But it's also a fruit of light. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of light. And it is a fruit of that. Second Thessalonians 1 verse 11. Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our, our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 11 again. And fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. There's that word again. Talking about his goodness. This goodness, first off, starts with God. And then it is passed on to you. And then you pick it up. But you've got to pick it up from him. When we raise children, we look at children. And sometimes they have some of our traits. And we say, they got that from you. They got that from me. You know, the, the dad looks at the mom and says, they got that from you. Mom looks at dad and says, they got that from you. Generally, we say that about traits we don't like because all the good traits came from us, right? <laughs> That's how we used to look at that. But we're judging between that. But where did they get them from? They got them from, they was passed on from father and mother to, to son or daughter. And the same thing with the father. When we get born again, the Spirit of God comes down upon us. And out of that Spirit, out of that kingdom of light, comes goodness this is one of those traits but i gotta take it and i gotta put it on i gotta take this thing out and say i am going to operate in goodness now we talked about kindness kindness is a disposition i got a definition for you in here let me get to those because i want you to see this before we get on to the to the rest of it now i put another uh, we, yeah okay we um put this other definition there for you for agathos good in his character or makeup beneficial in its effect i've given you that definition before Romans 2, verse 4. Let's hit that one first. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Now, this is not the word we're looking at today. It's the word we looked at last week. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? I told you this word is interchanged sometimes. It goes back and forth between kindness and goodness. Here it's translated goodness. I have this definition on goodness. Goodness in the sense of what is upright and righteous. In vines, it distinguishes this way. Vines distinguishes between the two, the one we looked at last week, Christotes, the word um, uh, describes the kinder aspects of goodness. Agathos also includes the sterner qualities in which go doing good in, uh, to others is not necessarily by gentle means. How many of you know sometimes to be good, you have to be firm? We kind of hinted at this to you last week that uh, this next word we said last week, would be taking up some of these firmer things. Because, you know, when you love your kids and they're going to run out in the street, you can't just be kind and nice. What do you got to do? You got to get their attention. You sometimes have to scream or, or shout. And uh, we might think that, well, that's against these, uh, what the Bible's teaching. No, it's not. Not at all. This word takes up some of the sterner things. Another, another uh, commentator puts this, it is a kindly disposition towards others. Crestotes is a kindly disposition towards others. That's our word there for goodness or kindness. The word there for goodness means this. It is a kindly action activity on their behalf. So the first one, the word that we had that we looked at that was translated kindness, this is a disposition to other people. Have you ever come into a place and someone just has a disposition to say, oh, you kind of step back because that's not a nice disposition. And other times you have a disposition and, oh, that's so nice. Oh, that's good. Think of it this way. You know, you got a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband and wife, and you uh, get to, you haven't been, you've been at work, and all of a sudden you get together and uh, uh, you're thinking, oh, I'm looking forward to getting together. We're going to have dinner. We're going to do this, that, the other thing. And then all of a sudden you, you get there and you see their face. And that face says, this is not going to be a good dinner. Why? 
Because the disposition of the person. They haven't done anything. They haven't said anything. But it's that disposition that they have. And it just kind of says, uh-oh. What's wrong? And other times you come in and they have a disposition. They're smiling and they're, they're happy, looking like they're anxious to see you. And, oh, that just kind of relaxes you, doesn't it? It's a disposition. So that's our word kindness. It's the disposition that we have towards people. Whereas agathos, it's an action that we have to them. It's something that you do. Something that you do for them. Uh, one more. The supernatural urge in a person to reach beyond himself to meet the natural needs of another. Agathos would be this supernatural urge. Supernatural, not just natural. Supernatural urge in a person to reach beyond himself to meet the natural needs of another. That's what we need to, to step out to. But Harry, I want you to focus on this. Kindness is my disposition to other people. Goodness is my actions towards them. When I have actions towards someone else that need to be firm, it doesn't mean my disposition has to change. Now let's take a look at Jesus, how he did this. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says this is Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He went about doing good. That we're talking about actions that are good. That you sometimes have to step out and do good actions. When you have good actions towards other people, not only are they benefited, but you are. When you have actions towards other people and they are not good, they are not nice, they are not kind, they also, that has an effect upon them, but it also has an effect upon you. You've got to make sure that your actions stay in the area of goodness. Be good. Think of it this way. How many of you have ever been driving down the road and somebody did something stupid? <laughs> happens all the time, right? Probably it just happened yesterday, maybe on the way here to church. Somebody did something stupid. Now, they can't see anything that you're doing, but did any of you have an action towards those people that was not good? Did you say something? Did you holler at them? Isn't it easy to do that? That action has absolutely no effect on them at all, but it does have an effect upon you. As far as it is concerning with you, make sure that you don't have these kind of things going on. Let's take a look at something else. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 from that time, after they began to be known that they said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, would that be considered stern? Yeah. But what we're looking at here is the good that went on. Uh, Satan was trying to use Peter in a negative way. And to take Peter down a wrong path. And Jesus saw that. And he speaks to Peter. But he looks beyond him and he says to Satan, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. Now that's helpful for Peter, but I bet Peter did not feel too helped at that time. He felt a little put down, kind of embarrassed. This is done in front of all these, all the disciples. They probably heard it. But it was something that was necessary. You will have times and it's necessary for you to be stern, but make sure you don't stop being kind. You see what Jesus did here, remember the word compassion we used last time? Compassion for other people brought him into a place where he was kind. When people came, when he was trying to get some rest and relaxation and people came for ministry, he was kind. He was kind. And he ministered to them because the Word of God said he had compassion on them. Most times what happens with us is we have compassion for ourselves. What I need, what I have going on right now. I'm not concerned about you. I'm concerned about me. Now, I may start off being concerned about someone else, but then all of a sudden something happens and makes me mindful of me. 
When I become mindful of me, what happens? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a good thing. It's, it's not helpful. It is better for you to stay mindful of other people. You will run a better race if you are mindful of other people. Remember Paul talked about running the race? Run the race. Be mindful of other people. When you get mindful about yourself only, you will not do as well. I told you this example before when I'm out running. Yesterday I got to run with uh, my running buddy John. He sent me a message. He said, hey, you're free to run? I said, yeah, I can make it, make it work. So we went out together and we ran. And we ran on the first mile. And it was, a, it was an okay time. It wasn't, it wasn't good. You went right home about this time. And then the next mile we got 30 seconds faster. And the next mile we got 30 seconds faster again. And the next mile we got 30 seconds faster. Now we're running pretty good. But you see, you know how we did that? Because we stopped being mindful of ourselves and I became mindful of John. I became mindful of his pace. John became mindful of my pace. And if I ever slacked off, I got I'm mindful of John right here. And John doesn't cut and slack off at the same time I slack off. And so I can keep that, that pace going. And he'll do the same thing. In, in, in that. So we end up running fast. If I would have run it by myself, I would have been a minute to a minute and a half slower per mile. Because all I would have been is mindful of myself. You have to get out of being mindful of yourself and be mindful of other people. If you are mindful of other people, you will run a better race. If you are mindful of yourself, you won't. Now, if you don't like to run, think of going out to the gym. You're on a machine, and so are two or three other people. And you're all doing the same machine. What happens to you? You become not mindful of yourself. You become mindful of them. How much weight are they doing? How many reps are they doing? If you're sitting next to somebody and they're doing sit-ups, don't you become mindful of them? How are they doing the sit-ups? Oh, they added this to it. I should do this. Because my being mindful of the people that are around me causes me to perform better myself. If you're at work and you are given a project by yourself, you'll do one thing. But if three people are given the same project, let's see how well y'all do. Let's see who does better. What happens? You begin to up your game. And you become mindful of the other, other people. Now, you all know my, I love Christmas movies and I like Hallmark Christmas movies. How many know there's one Hallmark Christmas movie where two people were in a department store and they were competing for the same job and they both had to design a window each day. And did you see how mindful they were of each other? What is that one doing? How does theirs look? How are people receiving theirs? And what did it make them do? They upped their game. They made it better. You see, if you just become mindful of you, there's no one to set the pace. You've got to become mindful of other people. You've got to begin to think about other people. What do they need? How can I help them? Because if you look, how can I help the people that are around me? You will be made better on the way. If you look at how can I help my spouse be better, you will be better on the way. If you think about how can I help my kids be better, you will be made better on the way. No matter what it is you're doing, Whatever you do and you stay mindful of other people, you will be made better along the way. Competition is good. As long as you don't try and snuff anybody else out. Oh, we don't need to do that. You know, if we got uh, three people up there singing. Well, if they begin to compete with each other... And uh, some of them, you know, they put some funny stuff in their water before service so that they can't sing. So that's not good. That's, that's, not, <laughs> that's not helpful. But if we begin to become mindful of other people and say, oh, I hear how they're doing. Oh, listen how they're doing it. Oh, I bet I could do that. I bet I can make myself better doing this. And we look for ways to make ourselves better. 
become mindful of other people. It's good to be mindful of, of others. In John chapter 8, verse 1, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And they had set her in the midst, and they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, Lord. Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, he came here. This is an action towards this woman. This is Jesus acting in such a way that the word describes as goodness. He is having actions towards this woman that are good. He's also having actions towards the people that came that are actually good, even though they didn't like it a whole lot and went off. But he's pointing out, here's some, here's some errors. He's not, not embarrassing anybody. He's just writing some things down. And apparently that convicted them. And they went off one by one until they were all gone. Here's what Jesus says to her. He says, I don't condemn you either. I don't condemn you either. You see, folks, in our actions, in actions of goodness, we should not be condemning the people that are around us. We shouldn't be making them to feel poorly. We shouldn't be making them to feel worse. Because our goal is to lift up the people that are around you. If you lift up the people that are around you, they in turn will lift you up and make you better. If you drag down the people that are around you, you will be dragged down. And none of you will become good. None of you will be made better. No, but we, we go after, we help each other. We get our, ourselves focused on what do the people that are around me need? Not what do I need. What do the people that are around me need? And if I can be, begin to think about that, I have actions to back that up. I don't just think about what can I do. I begin to have actions for that. Doing some, some things in that way. We were, um, how many of y'all like that, man, that, that show, Last Man Standing? That's one of those shows I like to watch on TV. Love Tim Allen. But it's a fun show. It uh, does, does some things. One of the episodes they had of this, the, um, the girl who is the most focused on herself. If you've watched the show, you know exactly which one I mean. I think it's the middle child. She, uh, she came on into the kitchen. It was dishes in the kitchen. It wasn't all messed up, but just some dishes around. And she just all of a sudden just started washing dishes and cleaning up the dishes. And uh, just, you know, not that she needed to do it, just began to wash dishes. Now they made some, I had some fun with it in the, the episode. But anyway, how many times do we walk in on situations and we don't think, oh, those aren't my dishes. This isn't my kitchen. This isn't my problem. And we just kind of walk away. But what if we come into those situations where it's not our kitchen, it's not our dishes, and it isn't our problem, but I'm mindful of the person whose problem it is. And I step in and I try and help them out. What happens? Well, that person who owns the kitchen, who owns the dishes, who owns the problem, thinks, wow, that was so neat. I really appreciate you doing that. Was, and they feel lifted up. And what happens to the person who did the dishes? They feel lifted up. See, too often we're missing these opportunities, folks. Don't miss these opportunities. Take advantage of every opportunity that you can. Jesus here, he, just didn't, he came in, sat down to teach the people. In the midst of teaching the people, these guys bring a woman in caught in the act of adultery. How many of you think that might interrupt 
the anointing. What's going on there in the meeting? And Jesus could have got upset about it. But he didn't. He began to do things and speak things that benefited the parties that were there. Why? Because he wasn't mindful of himself. He was mindful of the other people. He wasn't mindful. This is my meeting. This is not, the, this is not appropriate behavior at one of my meetings. He didn't, he didn't do that. He took time and he, he dealt with what was there. Let's take a look at another example with Jesus. Verse, uh, John chapter 4, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan? For, Jesus, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the water is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that she spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus comes to the well, and He sees a Samaritan woman. And Jews don't have the best opinion of Samaritans. He could have just sat there by the well and not had any interaction at all. But instead, he opened his mouth and he began to say things because he's having actions towards this woman, actions that are good, actions that are beneficial for her, actions that will help her. And so that's what we need to think on. What actions am I having around the people that God has put in my life that are good? What actions am I having with the people that God has put in my life that are not as good? What words do I say? What actions do I do that don't generate good things? Generate good things with your actions. Generate good things with your words. Speak life into every situation. And sometimes you just need to sit back and just say, hmm, I don't have anything quite to say on this one yet, so I'm just going to keep quiet and just... Father God, I need to, how can I bring some good things into this situation? And ask the Father. He'll help you. He'll help you to know what it is that you should say. Because what can we, what we can do in our families, in our relationships, with the people that are important to us, instead of uttering words, instead of uttering actions that distance them and push them away, I can do things to bring them in. I can do things to help them. One of the fruit of the spirits here, kindness and goodness. Don't let kindness take a break from your words. Keep your words in the area of kindness. Keep your disposition in the area of kindness. Keep your actions, the things that you do in the area of goodness, things that are beneficial to the people that are around you. If you stay in that area, the riches of God come into your life. If you get out of the kindness and goodness area, the riches of God have no cause to be in your life. 
mimic Jesus Christ. Do what he did. We looked at just three examples of Jesus being good towards other people that were there. We looked at other examples last week of Jesus being kind to people that were trying to put something on him. But he was kind. Let's take a look at some other examples. I'm just going to refer these to you. Remember when Peter, I gave you the reference there, Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11. Peter's up on the rooftop, has this vision. The sheep comes down. All the unclean animals are on there. And God says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He says, not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. And God says, what I have called clean, do not call unclean. This happened three times. And then just as he's contemplating the vision, what was going on, knock at the door. Here come these gentlemen. Hey, will you come over with us and speak the words that God gives you? And so he went over there with them. And I was... Love this when we, when we look at this. Go back and, and we're not going to get into the details here now. Go back to Acts after chapter 10 and 11, mostly verse 11 or chapter 11. He's got to, he comes in here thinking he's coming to a, a small group. There's a large group of people that are there. And he comes before them and says, all right, I'm here. Why did you want me to come? He's expecting them to have a question. He's expecting them to you know, have something for, that he can answer. And instead they said, we asked you to come because God said, have Peter come. He's got a word for you. Can you imagine being Peter, being dropped into a situation, expecting that they're going to have a question for you, and what you get instead is, we're expecting that God gave you a word. And Peter probably gets in there and says, I wasn't expecting to get a word. But the word of God tells us in Acts chapter 11, he says, and he opened his mouth, and he began to to speak, and God put the words in there that were beneficial for all the people that heard it. And Peter could not help but be beneficial benefited as well. If we operate in areas of kindness, if we operate in areas of goodness, we will see good things coming in our life. If we do it. If we get out of kindness, if we get out of goodness, those things are taken away. God wants you to have good things in your life. Oh, He does so much. In Acts chapter 14, Paul went into a city. That it's, he, he was into a city. He's out there teaching. And they got upset. A riot broke out. And they drug him outside the city. And they stoned him. It's a brutal way to be killed. And they left him as dead. They all thought he was dead. The disciples came and they gathered around. Nobody's trying to help him because they all think he's dead. So more than likely, he's dead. But then all of a sudden he gets up. And you know what he does? He goes back into the city, the people that stoned him. And the next day he leaves. Doesn't leave right away. The next day he leaves. How many of you could think of other actions to do after a group of people just stoned you? Besides going back in there. But you see, he wasn't thinking of himself. He was thinking of what was needed by the people that were there. We've got to get to a place in our life where we stop thinking of ourselves all the time and I begin to think of other people. What does my spouse need for me to do? What do my kids need for me in this situation? What do the people in the church need for me today? What kind of help can I have for them? But see, too often we get into family situations, we get into church situations and something happens that we don't like and you know what we say? Well, this doesn't suit me at all. Well, I don't like this. Well, this isn't going on the way I want it to go on. Well, I don't like it going this way. And we utter words in this way. We words, utter words of exasperation. We utter words of anger. We begin to yell. We begin to let our displeasure known. And you know what that does to the people that are around us? It drags you down. You know what it does to you? It drives you down. You don't need it. Now let me ask this one. How many have ever been in a situation, you know, you've got a group of people, and here comes somebody into the room, and they speak words of anger, they speak words of displeasure, they start yelling at people. Ever been in a situation like that? Work, home, church, someplace, you're there, 
Everybody's having a good time. We're, we're doing good things. And then all of a sudden, somebody speaks up and says some things. And you're like, oh. what do you do then? What do you do when that happens? What happens a lot of times is we all get quiet. We kind of tiptoe on eggshells because we don't want to get that person any more upset than they are. But still be kind. Still be good. And just get, a, get up there. You have to listen to God. You cannot have a set way of doing this. But sometimes you might just need to get up in that person's face and just put your arm around them and say, Hey, what's going on? What's happening? And begin to talk to them and find out what's happening. What's, what's, what's going on with this? We've seen the, the shows on TV. The husband, the wife comes home from work. The other spouse is already in the house and they had a bad day at work. And what do they do? Throw things, drop their briefcase, throw their coat. And whatever happens, they just get to have a short fuse for it. And what happened? I mean, the the husband or wife that was home, they may have been having a good day. Things are going good. Now what happened? All of a sudden, it is not a good day. Things are not going well. They were going well two seconds ago, now, this is not good. And you try and say, you know, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they don't want to talk about it. And they just start mouthing off things and, and doing stuff. And sometimes you have to get in there. You have to help out. I mean, it's, it's good. You put your arm around them. You try and comfort them. And it's not, they're not being comforted. They just keep spouting out more nasty stuff. And so you, sometimes, you know what you might need to do? You know what? You need to turn yourself around. You need to go back outside that door. You need to come in with a better attitude. I'm going to have my same good attitude I had. You need to bring in yours. You've got to be sometimes a little bit stern with them. Now, I don't know what happened to you today, but I'm happy to talk to you about it. So I tell you what, you're going out there. You get rid of this bad attitude. You bring in that goodness from God attitude. You bring that one on in. You go back out there. You put on kindness. And then you come on back in the door. And we'll pretend like this first thing never even happened. And let me tell you what, folks. You better pretend like that first thing never even happened. If you start bringing that up and start saying, well, remember just five minutes ago when you were doing this? Well, you hurt me. No, no, you need to let that go. Why? Because you need to be mindful of other people, not yourself. If you are mindful of yourself, you will slow your race down. You've got to be mindful of other people. What are the people around me doing? What's going on? Stay mindful of them. What do they need? What kind of help can I give them? And give them that help. Bring them along. You can do it. But sometimes just to you know, be nice and comfort. That's just not what's, what's going on there. Now, if you were on the, the side, you were bringing in that nasty attitude and somebody addressed you that way, you better take the rebuke. Peter took the rebuke. Jesus rebuked him. He took it. He cleaned it up. He came on back. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we just need to be set straight. Because you know what? Your opinion is not always the right one. I mean, sure, it is 90% of the time, right? But it's not always the right one. And it's not always what's needed at the moment. Kindness and goodness. Have a good disposition to the people that are around you. Have a good attitude with those folks. But then goodness, have actions that are good towards them. Be mindful of what they need. Come on into the situation. I'm not responsible for these dishes, but I'm going to help them out. I'm not responsible for vacuuming up this floor, but I'm going to help them out. I'm not responsible for this. They are, but I'm going to help them out. And have actions of goodness, actions that will benefit them. Find out from God. Remember the Word of God tells us, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you need wisdom in a situation, how do I need, what do I need to do? What can I do to benefit my son, my daughter, my spouse? What can I do to benefit them and to help them along in this, this area? Ask God. He will give you wisdom. He will help you out. I put this in your outline here for you. Sternness without kindness is not goodness.
sternness without kindness is not goodness. Just because you are acting in a way that you think is good, beneficial for the people, if you take kindness off just because you said the hard things to say doesn't mean you did any good. Sometimes we like to just get out there and say, well, I told them what was for. I gave them the, in- I gave them the instructions. I told them, if you do this, <laughs> if you do this, it's not going to be good. I told them, I set them straight. How many have ever set somebody straight? Yeah. We can feel good because we set them straight. But did you benefit them? Did you help them? Or did you help yourself? Guarantee you, folks, if most of the time that you come out of those situations, you are talking to other people about how you set them straight, the only one you benefited was yourself. If you come out of those situations and you keep your mouth shut, more than likely, your goal was to benefit them. Because if you had to say some hard things to benefit someone, you shouldn't be going out there blabbing about it. Don't be going out there talking about other people. What's going on? Remember goodness and kindness. We've got to have both of these things going on. Sternness without kindness is not goodness. Probably more like harshness. And that's not going to help anybody. Be always aware of your disposition towards others. Be always aware of your disposition towards others and mindful of what you can do to help them. Always be aware of it. What can I do? Think back over this week. Last Sunday, we were looking at kindness. How many are examining your words? Are my words kind? Are my words kind? I hope you're focusing on that. Now you've got to get into some of those actions. I need kind words. I need a kind disposition. And I need actions that are beneficial to the people that are around me. Be mindful of other people. Stay mindful of them. What do the people at work need you to do? What do the people at home need from you? How can you help those that are in your neighborhood? What about those people that you meet at a restaurant? Is there something you can do for them? And just stay mindful of the other people. The enemy is always trying to get us to be mindful of ourselves kind of hope we think we grow out of this when we're babies what's a baby mindful of i'm wet i'm pooped i'm hungry i am not happy do they really care about anything else beside that they don't care about what's on tv they don't care about what's for dinner they don't care about whether you are tired they don't care about that when, when was the last time a baby said, oh, you know what? I need to stifle this cry because I kept mom up all night. They don't do that, right? Babies don't do that. Now, you kind of hope when they get older that they start to do that. But how many of you know some grown-up people that do not do this? But that's not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be mindful of other people. What do they need? I guarantee you, folks, if you will do what the Word of God says and operate in goodness and operate in kindness and keep that going on a regular basis, the riches of God will inhabit your life. You will not lack for anything. You will be happy when other people are sad. You'll be filled with good things and not bad. Your life will change. Now, other people are going to come around and they're going to try and pull you in. They're going to get an assignment from the enemy. Because the enemy is going to see the riches of God coming into your life. He's going to see good things happening in your life. He's going to say, this is not good. What I need to do is I need to get them mindful of themselves. He's going to try and get you to step out of it. Because as long as you operate in a place where you are mindful of the people around you, more so than you are yourself. As long as you get to, the, if, if you get to that spot where I am more mindful of myself, I will suffer. I will suffer. But if you can get to that spot and you allow the other people to help you out, tell you what, folks, it'll be good. Anybody ever been to a recital, dance recital? Anybody ever had a nephew or 
probably more niece or something like that, um, in, a, in a dance recital. And you went to the dance recital. And you sat there for two hours. And you watched the dance recital. How many people did you come to the dance recital for? One person. How many dances does that one person do? One dance, maybe two dances. You are sitting in a room that gets hot. How many have ever been there? The room gets hot. It gets hot, starts to heat up. And you're sitting in a very uncomfortable chair. I think it's required. All dance studios must have uncomfortable chairs. So you're sitting in a very uncomfortable chair without a whole lot of space because everybody is crammed in to see this recital. And you're watching the first group parents on out and you don't know anybody in that first group. Nobody. Not a soul. And they get out there and they do the dance and is it good? Okay, that's all we need to say on that, isn't it? <laughs> all right. It is not a show that you would go to otherwise. So the first group, they get on out. And then the second group comes on out. And your person is not in that group either. And a third group, and a fourth group, and a fifth group, and a sixth group. Finally, here comes your little niece, daughter, someone. Come on out. And they do their dance. And you are happy. You're watching. Oh, this is so good. Oh, it's so, so wonderful. And it lasts for about four or five minutes. And it's over. And then another group comes out and you don't know anybody in that group and another group and you don't know anybody in that group and another group and you don't know anybody in that group. And finally, two hours afterwards, they come on out and they say, thank you for coming. We appreciate you showing up. It's time to go. You were there for two hours in a hot room in an uncomfortable chair watching people that really you never knew before and aren't going to know again to watch five minutes. Why did you do that? Because you were mindful of someone else. And you went knowing this is what was going to happen. Because you were mindful of someone else. And when that little girl came on out and she saw you there and she's smiling, thank you for coming. How many of y'all know it made it all worth it? Made it all worthwhile. This is the Christian life. You don't require that little girl to put on a perfect performance for you to show up. You just come on out and your words are kind. What would happen if you came out and they came on out and they're smiling, so glad that you came. Yeah, I saw you missed that first step. How would that go? All the good you did, gone, drained out. And yet this is what we'll do with a lot of Christians. This is what we'll do with our spouses. This is what we'll do in our families. We take goodness and we take kindness and we put them aside because we think in some situations they don't apply or sometimes I don't need to be good or kind. And the truth is, folks, you always need to be good and you always need to be kind. You always need to be mindful of the people that are around you. How are my words and how are my actions going to help them? Because if my words and my actions don't help them, I may not realize it, but they've torn me apart as well. Don't let it happen. These are important things you have in your life. Have kind words. Have a kind disposition. If something has gone on with you, you need to shed it. You need to just get it off your, off yourself. You have put on the coat of kindness and goodness and stuff won't stick to it. It won't stick. Anybody have a really good raincoat at home? Nobody has a good raincoat? That is a shame. There we go. We have one person right over here has a good raincoat. When you have that raincoat on and it's raining, does that rain just hit you and bounce off? Isn't that nice? Ah, does it have a hood? 
Oh, yeah, that's a good kind of raincoat. You want a hood. Why do they make a raincoat without a hood? I don't know. Because that's when you want a hood is when you have the raincoat on. Put the hood up, raincoat on, and you can you just defy the rain. Come on. Come on. Bring on that rain. I want to test out this raincoat. I want to see how good is this raincoat. Bring it on. Get the boots. I am ready. And yet you have got the, co- the coat of kindness and goodness that you can put on. And no matter what people say and what people do, it does not have to affect you. And yet we, we let it affect us. This stuff is supposed to be just as good as a really nice, effective raincoat. I think all of you need to be doing some shopping. Because there are better raincoats out there than y'all have. It makes some great materials anymore. Rain just bounces off. It's good because there's nothing worse than getting wet in the rain. And there's nothing worse than the world getting in in your spirit when you can be clothed with goodness and kindness. It doesn't have to affect you. Kindness at disposition, kind words, Goodness, actions that are beneficial for the people that are around us. Always be mindful of what other people need. Not what I need. What do other people, the people that are around me, what do they need? Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that your goodness and your kindness is on the inside of us because the love of God is on the inside of us. We can be good and we can be kind even with people who don't act right. Many times Jesus had people who didn't act right around him, but he stayed in that area of goodness, stayed in that place of kindness. And even with the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, He did not condemn her. He did not put her down. He didn't remind her about how bad her sin was. He simply said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. What was a very bad situation for that young lady? Jesus turned around to be a very memorable one and one that probably helped her change her life. Father, we are interacting with people this week. We are your soldiers in this world. We are your agents of light. And we are to take light into every dark place. And not let darkness overcome us, but to overcome darkness with the light. Remind us, Father, that we are empowered. When nasty people come along, we do not have to take off a cloak of goodness and kindness. We don't have to change our disposition. We don't have to change our actions. We can still be aware of those that are around us. Because if we are aware of those that are around us, we run a better race. We come out better. Thank you, Father, for your help in our life. I thank you for the way your word rises up. I thank you for the Spirit of God that is on the inside of us to speak to us. And we can do what you say to do. Give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Any uh, praise reports we have? Didn't see any praise reports turned in just yet? Candy wanted prayer. The doctor said that Bobby's cancer has come back. And he's a little little down. Well, that's what the doctor said. We cannot give ear to the things the world says to us. We've told you many times, you cannot pray for a good doctor report. 
Because we had the report from the Word. That's what we got to stay with. Just don't let it in. Just don't let it in. The doctor wants to come and say, you're going to die. Just smile and say, glory to God. <laughs> Just laugh. Don't let it get you down. It does not have to. Just because the doctor says the cancer is back. I remember the story that Jay was telling about his father. I mean, remember the story he told about his father. That his father died of cancer that he didn't have. Because they got a report mi- mixed up and the doctor came out and said, your cancer's back. And he was dead before the real doctor came back in and told him the right report. They said, why did you give him that report? That wasn't his report. And he died of a cancer that he did not have. It's amazing how powerful that kind of stuff is, folks. Word of God tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do not believe. Now, it doesn't mean that you just ignore what doctors say. But put faith in the Word. Don't put faith in what they say. What did God say? God said you're going to live. God said you're going to die. Put faith in the Word. Put faith in what God says. Glory to God. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the Word that is here for us. Father, we believe your Word. We don't believe any other doctor report. We're not going to put faith in anything else. We're going to put faith in the Word of God. And I thank you, Father, that you just minister to the faith that Bobby has. Remind him of what you said. Remind him of what you did. Remind him of the words that were spoken over him. And that one report from a doctor should not cancel all those things out. Father, we give you the praise and the glory for it. We thank you. This week, Father, we're going out. We are your soldiers. We are ready to do good things for you. I thank you for the help that you give to us. Because we are a force to be reckoned with in this world. You made us that way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, today we have our covered dish dinner. I hope you all can stick around and stay for this. We've got some things to go over with you, some things actually to give you that you'll be leaving here with. So um, make sure that you stick around here. Uh, you've got to eat somewhere. You might as well eat here. We do have communion today, don't we? Yes, we do. See, that color just blends in with the wall. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I saw it there before. I did forget about that, though. Thank you, Ray. Let's do celebrate communion before we go. On the same night that Jesus was betrayed, the Word of God tells us that he went into the upper room with his disciples. He broke the bread before dinner. And he passed the bread around and he told them, he says, this represents my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance. That we are to remember that the body of Jesus Christ was beaten for us. His body was not beaten because of sin. His body was beaten because of sickness and disease. That upon him was put our sickness and our disease. He bore it for us. Word of God tells us. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Not by his blood. By his stripes, we are healed. So Jesus first went in and he was beaten. And he was bruised. Because he says, my people need to be set free from sickness and disease. When sickness and disease tries to get hold of you, remember, the body of Jesus Christ was beaten, bruised. The stripes that were laid on him were there so that you wouldn't have to go through it. Everyone is served. Let's eat together as we remember what the body of Jesus did for us. After supper. It's important to be after supper because there's a whole meal in between. 
These are not two things of the same. They are different. He took the cup and he passed it around. He says, this represents the blood of the new covenant. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats, it just covered up sin. But Jesus Christ washed it free. There is nothing you need to add to it. No good works. No promises to God to not do something. All you need to do is accept His blood that you are set free from sickness and disease. I'm sorry, from sin. Condemnation. You are set free from it. It cannot get hold of you. If you have been sitting under condemnation because of sin and the enemy is trying to get you to say, you didn't do enough. You're not good enough. You're not going to get in. You're not getting in because of your actions. You're getting in because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty. He paid the price. See, that's why we have the assurance of salvation. Because it doesn't depend on what we did. It depends on what we received. And we received what He did. And what He did was sufficient. Let's drink together knowing the blood of Jesus Christ is all I need. All I need. I am set free from sin. I am set free from condemnation. Let's drink together. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, thank you for sticking around here today. I hope you all can stay for the, for the meal. We really have some important things we want to go over with you. And um, can only do that if you're here. So you have to eat somewhere. You may as well eat here. If you're thinking about the Super Bowl, we're done way before that. We'll be done somewhere around 2.15. You'll be on your way. Look forward to, um, to having that with all of you. Wednesday night, we're going to be here for, for a midweek service. We'll announce that on Wednesday, what it's going to be. That will happen then. Um, and then next Sunday, we have the end times class. We pick up Second Thessalonians. We start that one next Sunday after uh, church. All right. Have a great rest of the day. Greet some people before you um, leave where you're at. Hopefully none of you are going home anyway.